everyone, my name is Dave Nixon and welcome to the Alpha Theta Flow podcast. This is Flow 773 and uh, well, over the years I used to do mood prep as a podcast which was a 10 minute episode and scattered in between that I did an episode called Musings where I would catch up with different individuals and discuss different subjects and topics. Uh, I did at least one, if not two of them, with a guy called Kyle Weber, a friend of mine, someone who I used to work with in the industry many, many moons ago. Um, I don't feel like I'm old enough to say many moons ago. I know. No. Yeah. So, um, but he's here again with me today. We've actually had caught up recently and we're going to be doing a series. This is the first of three over certain subjects, um, and which I'm excited to literally just discuss from our experience and what we're focusing on now within the industry and... and uh, other components that our insights, I suppose, we can pull out of each other as opposed to just sitting on one side of the microphone and um, letting our, what was it, ADD brain? ADD brain, squirrel yeah. brain, squirrel, squirrel brain. brain, always, always yeah. seeking the nut. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's... <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it magpie syndrome, flying towards the airfoil. Everybody, yeah. uh, Everyone this, needs to this is Kyle Weber. So I've got Kyle, um, and to give the best introduction on Kyle... I will allow Kyle to do that, and um, then we'll move on to today's subject. So, Kyle, please. Thank you, Dave. Uh, there's a lot more to me than just seeking out nuts. Um, I'm about three foot two. I like playing piano, being a dad. I've got a full-time cat that's gigantic. Uh, but in terms of fitness industry, I've been around for the last 15 years or so. Dave actually employed me back in the day to do my first ever gig doing PT. Uh, from that, I got involved in nutrition and took off ever since. I really enjoy sports nutrition. I like to uh, now educate people on healthy approaches towards fitness and nutrition and how to apply that in an athletic setting. I used to really enjoy bodybuilding. Uh, I say used to because we're probably going to talk a little bit more about that and my, how my philosophy has changed over the years. And yeah, that's about it. That's the best intro that I can give. And uh, there's obviously a lot more to you than that. So if people at the end of the podcast, we often, any podcast will say, where can people find out more about you? But for you and um, your journey and all of the, you know, your wisdom, your your lols. That, My lols. Yeah, yeah, all the lols. Yeah, you meme lord. Um, <laughs> so, um, is, that, is that like a love we got language? Some, what he's meaning to say is we've got some dank memes over on Instagram at the physique coach AU where you can find a little bit more than what I can cram into a, a minute and a half intro. Yeah. So. Um, that's my love language memes yeah <laughs> send me memes and, and, and we'll go from there yeah. I'll swipe right I still I still read the word meme as meme meme yeah meme meme. No, meme. Meme. meme meme do you know where the word meme came from um, Japan Hello Kitty ooh no. meme Richard Dawkins oh really he coined it back in the 70s yeah wow. in the book The Selfish Gene and so he wanted to use a word that basically described something that is passed on think subjectively mm. as opposed to a gene Mm. So, um, rather than genetics, it's memetics. And so, yeah, yeah right. so it, the book's up behind me somewhere. Um, so, yeah, he actually coined the term meme. And so, there was like, you know, a certain type of thinking that's passed on. Even fashion, as an example, yeah. is a meme. You know, a song is a meme. Um, uh, uh, things like that. So, um, certain culture is memetic in nature. Yeah, right. Um, so, it's actually called a malu, M-I-L-I-A-U. So, yeah, the word meme, hence why internet meme spreads, yeah. but it's not actually a physical thing yeah right so yeah there you go just start calling it like me squared <laughs> my squared you also get a lot of dad jokes from me everyone that's listening so uh I'm, yeah i'm me, practicing me, the dad me, jokes yeah gina's not pregnant okay well, not that we're aware of um but um yeah i'm practicing i've been practicing for years actually yeah you have been you yeah. really have been maybe i am a dad you could be hello 
<laughs> All right. Look, let's get into it. I have a feeling there's going to be some terrible jokes. I apologize in advance, but um, the the point of today's podcast and saying that I offered to Kyle in discussion was going one of the things that we can discuss is definitely what we look at when it comes to fuck programming to setting up a business to running gyms like all of these objective markers what's the best type of programming for who at what point what I'm more wanting to discuss today is what's that on behalf of why is it like that why why you know what is your philosophy your fitness philosophy your health philosophy now you know how has it changed over the years and it's a discussion I think is extremely healthy um, but also it means that like it gives meaning to why we do something as opposed to like, well, you know, you want to get squatter, you can squat. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to squatter, just leave the door yeah. open. You know? Yeah, you want to get squatter, <laughs> just don't earn anything. No. Yeah. Um, if you want to get stronger, then just barbell squat, barbell deadlift, barbell bench. It's like, well, you know, sure, is that going to get you stronger for what? It's going to get you stronger for those movements. Will that have a carryover to other things? Yeah, there's going to be a carryover, but but stronger for what? And so that's really what I want to get into today um, is you know where your philosophy is at, where my philosophy is at, and how that has matured over the years. Yeah. So just, you can start, my friend. Cool. So my um, I've really come full circle with my philosophy behind it, coming from the place of when I first started exercising and training. For me, it was about seeing what I could do, how much I could push myself, and after I'd say four or five years or so into the gym and, and exercising and dieting, I started dieting very young, about 14. I was prepping food and, and bringing that into school and stuff in my, my meal prep containers. Um, for me, it was, it, it taught me a lot about life. And I think, you know, starting off running a business from when I was 18 and a half, 19, uh, a lot of the lessons that I learned in the gym about just you know, putting in effort and staying up and getting things done and being disciplined, I wouldn't have been able to achieve half of the stuff that I have in life if it wasn't for, for those lessons in the beginning. Uh, as I got deeper into it and I started leaning more into, you know, obviously starting up my own nutrition coaching company, got me to a point of where I wanted to really just uh, push things that were going to be as healthy as possible for people, uh, while as well making sure that we could kind of educate as best as possible around that. And uh, my philosophy then sort of formed into, if you're going to be the best and you've got to you know, know as much as possible, learn as much as possible, really elevate yourself into a certain aspect of uh, you know, just believing that the best is, is the cream at the top and there's nothing else. You know, don't, be, don't ever be satisfied with what you're doing. You're always going, to be, always going to be at the top and there's always better, so just keep working, keep working harder and keep pushing. Um, then after a while, I think I hit this quarter-life crisis point at about 25 and how old are you now 30 yep so yeah hit this hit this point you're saying it's like quarter life crisis 25 if i'm 30 now maybe it was like a half life crisis as long as as long as you don't say that you're at a third life crisis (laughs) in five years your life expectancy is reduced by 10 yeah yeah i caught at the time i caught it a midlife crisis and then i think my mum got angry because she thought i was gonna die at 50 so had to change it but whatever yeah cheers that opinion doesn't matter. We'll get into mummy issues later on about fitness and stuff, but oh, it... no. <laughs> oh man. Um, so anyway, I hit this point, and then my philosophy with my coaching has always uh, followed me and whatever my philosophy on life is at the time. Yeah. And I think that's quite. I think it's quite congruent. It's the way that I like to coach. Um, if it's following me, then I know that my life's changing. I'm growing. I'm progressing. I can push that onto to other people, and we can see what kind of uh, path we can take. And it we kind of went full circle. It went the opposite. It went you know, don't be so pedantic don't push so much try to be easier on yourself be calmer there's no need to push so hard there's no need to to track everything there's no need to to train as hard as you 
possibly can rest, recover. Uh, then that got to a certain point again where uh, over the last, I'd say, probably like two years or so ago, it, it kind of matured and found a balance between the both. And these days, my philosophy is on just finding that balance where you can feel as though you've got a good sense of achievement and you've been able to use fitness in a way that can uh, correlate directly to other avenues within your life, but also understand your limits and your threshold. And I think that comes with time. You know, the more time we spend in the gym, the more time we spend dieting and training, you learn those thresholds. You're consistently pushing those thresholds, but you're not taking it to the point of where you need to do it in order to feel like you're worth something. Mm. You know, you can be okay with training very hard and having a limit and knowing what that limit is and, and still wanting to push that limit, still going as hard as what you can. But the point of that changes. The point of that goes towards more, if there's something that you want to achieve in your life, you know how to do that because you've put in that effort in the gym. But you also know that sometimes you need to pull back in order to move forward. Sometimes it's a case of taking a couple of steps back to move forward, mm. you know, kicking the crap out of a heavy bag the other week. Now my shins are destroyed. If I go and try to kick again, I'm going to kick with incorrect technique and I'm going to learn the wrong patterns. So my ego wants me to just get out there and kick and stop being a pussy and just do this stuff. But my head is like, actually, you need to you need to slow down. You mm-hmm. need to still you know do other things. And that's where the mindset can be developed of, okay, well, if I've injured my back doing deadlifts, how can I still train my lats? How can I still train my erectors? How can I still train my core? What other things can I do around that? Knowing that I can't do the same movement, but how do I still progress in a way that's going to benefit whatever it is I'm doing the rest of my life, but also not limit me, not put me out completely. And so building the resilience, I think, um, with my coaching now, uh, fitness is, is all about resilience building and figuring out how we can form a mindset that can accept challenges outside of the gym. The gym teaches us lessons and our, our ability to, to overcome problems and challenges within the gym can correlate with how we can learn those challenges outside and, and respond to things. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So if you were to put that for you, uh, and you can think on this, right? Yeah. Like into a sentence or two. No. So, <laughs> wow, that's profound. <laughs> how about you try to do that? <laughs> no, just hear that again. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it's here, here's what I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And let me know if this lands in, in a sentence or two. Mm-hmm. Like, what I communicate to people continually is that if your one hour in the gym doesn't help positively impact your 23 hours outside of the gym, then what's the point? Right? And so it's looking at this thing going, if, if, and this is the flip. Majority of the mm. fitness industry is um, like your com- commercial big box type gyms. They don't actually want you there for majority of it. They can't, for 3,000 members, they can't fit a fucking 10% of those members on 20 treadmills. So it's not bad. I'm not trying to shit, shit can these people. I'm saying that's just the business. They're, they're a subscription model. They're a Netflix. If every single person that ha- owns Netflix all use it at the same time, it will crash. And it's the same thing with that. So that actually only require a certain percentage of people to actually go to and attend. And that everyone that doesn't go pays for everyone else, basically. So it, it works. I'm not, not angry at it. Mm. I think I used to bash on it a lot more when I was younger. But I get it now. Mm. Now, in saying that, that means that a lot of the industry uses people. What I'm encouraging is that you should be using the industry. You should be using, and that's what I want with this, this facility that I own. You need to use this facility to make your life better outside of it, mm. not just for the selfies or for the PBs inside. Because people chase PBs. I've been there. A PB's great. I'm not saying we shouldn't be pursuing some form of personal best within the gym. Just mm. over time, they move from being two dimensional, which is usually a weight, mm. um, to multi dimensional. 
And so it could, PB could be like, I've been six months training consistently and, and you know, smart and intelligently, but hard mm-hmm. with no injury. Like, is that a PB for someone? And so the kind of thing here is going, making sure people are using the facility to enhance what they want to do outside. Mm. And that's on the basis of, this is saying that I've communicated continually and it's what I learned going to Alex's funeral, um, is that two things matter, how you contribute and the memories you make. And that can be within the gym setting. Like, you know, we have a community at the core of what we do here. And so a lot of people feel like that, you know, contributing, we give people opportunities to help donate to charities to to do, you know, community work. So there's components of that and that's part of health. Mm. So, you know, when it comes to a, a philosophy of sorts, it's going, why are you doing what you're doing? How is this benefiting the shit you want to do with your life? Mm. As opposed to going, if I go there and I just get PBs on machines and on the same three fucking exercises mm. on a barbell, like why do we use a barbell? I'm not saying we shouldn't. I've got 30 of them here, right? Majority of the time we would use a barbell because it's easy to change by one kilo. They store very easily. We can do multiple exercises on it. But outside of that, it's just a multi-tool. Mm. And so the industry has made it king. The barbell's not king. It's mm. just a tool. It, you leave here and you don't fucking touch anything that resembles a barbell. And just doing deadlifts doesn't help the person learn how to create adequate tension within their body mm. to move a pop plant upstairs. So it's not just about going, fuck, I can't wait to train so that when I move house, I'm going to be safe. Like mm. I'm not, it's, I get that's not sexy. Right. <laughs> But what we look at is going, are you actually really utilizing the gym in a way? If I, even, I know a lot of healthy people that don't go to gyms and don't mm. have gym memberships. So it's not even about saying that. And I know a lot of unhealthy people that go to the gym. That's correct, yeah. right? So it's this idea of going, you need to use the gym. Mm. That's that's it. For whatever it is that's important, you, when you're sitting in your fucking rocking chair, right? Or for some reason you can hear eulogy, like what is it that you contributed and what are the memories mm. you made? And make sure the gym is, is is you're using it for that. Yeah. And maybe it's hiking. Maybe it's tennis. Maybe it's not the fucking gym. That's fine. Mm. But whatever you're using, that you're using it to benefit other shit mm. rather than just benefiting a bottom line for a business. Yeah. And selfies on Instagram. I'm not against selfies on Instagram. I'm not very good at them. Um, but... um. I do it all the time. It's a, it's a long hair thing, right? You, sh- you should really do more selfies on Instagram. I do have you know? beautiful long hair. Exactly. You, you do, but it doesn't have the curls that mine does. Um, you, when you, it's look a lot, you look a lot better with ringlets, but when it's we, wet. Can't, we can't all be naturally beautiful yeah. like, like myself. When it's wet, um, I get a little, little like, yeah, kind of jeans. Yeah. I used to straighten my hair all through high school. Yeah. yeah. So I, had, I had the emo fringe. I was all my chemical romance. It was just, but, but no one ever knew for like four years until one day it rained. Mm. And I shat myself. I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to know that I've got curly hair. Everyone's like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like, no, it's not. And so that's where I started the gym. That's my demons. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> over. My chemical romance. How <laughs> about a chemical injection? When I was a young boy. Oh, um, quick, quick, quick segue. You'll yeah. find this funny, right? So Jared, one of the guys that um, runs his PT business, had a yeah. great dude, owns Beast Mode PT. He's definitely not Beast Mode. He drinks yogurt with a plastic spoon. Uh, eats yogurt with a plastic spoon, right? He's a fucking legend. He's done. He's got uh, SNC. He's the SNC for Junior Raiders. Yeah. Anyway, he listens to all of that still today as a twenty-eight-year-old male. And Imagine um, doing that, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's driving in your Lexus. <laughs> so, 
So anyway, point being is that like sometimes it's just a bit too simple planning, right? Uh, and I'm just you like, dude, yeah, you got to fucking, yeah. you got to, I don't know, put yeah. on, put on some Fleetwood Mac. I, I don't know. Yeah, you yeah, do something different. Yeah. Anyway, apparently he created a playlist called Dave's Favorites, and <laughs> every single time, like if I complain about a song twice, mm. he put it on there ah. on the basis that someone's going to be like, oh, what, what do we play? We just play Dave's Dave's Favorites, and it's just a bunch of songs that's clearly not my favorites. Anyway. When I sleep, I put on sleep music. So we've got a little portable speaker that yeah. is in our room and I just put on a YouTube playlist just sleep music, right? White noise or whatever. But my phone's in... I just don't sleep with my phone in my room. Yeah. It's, it's in another room. So I put it on, walked into my bed, bedroom, got into bed, and then I was like, got into bed, comfy, it's warm, and then I'm like, ah, fuck, it didn't connect. It's not playing. Yeah. And I said that out loud and Gina, my beautiful wife, who's so helpful, goes, hey, Google, play Dave's music. And I'm laying there, <laughs> and I knew straight away. I'm like, no, no, no. The, the, now the Google here just picked it up. Hopefully that doesn't play. Um, Hopefully it does. So anyway, point being yeah. is that uh, oh, it is playing. How, how do I turn that off? <laughs> you can't. We just got to roll with it. It's white noise. Stop it. The loft. The music's playing. He actually did uh, it on purpose. That is pretty funny. I think that's on my Spotify. I'm not taking this you can't, out. You it. can't cut this out. This is nothing, yeah. Um, uh, how do I... I need to actually... I'm going to pause can this you, for a second. Can you say Google stop? Just pause. Oh, yeah. Hey, Google. Hey, Google. Stop the music. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that's how it works. So that's what happened. I'm in bed, and then it just thinks, and it did exactly that. It did exactly... Imagine if it played then. Oh, that couldn't have been at a better time. And I'm laying there, and I'm just like, fuck, Jared's going to love this. And I hear this... I hear this... Um, what was the song? I woke up, it was seven, waited till eleven... Some fucking... I'm just like, yeah. this is the worst ever. <laughs> he found it hilarious. So there's the uh, oh. My Chemical Romance. So going back, was, I think that's a very healthy, important segue. I think so too. Coming back to it though, it's this idea of going, um, philosophy should mature over time mm. with experience. That's, that's you know, um, that is wisdom. It's knowledge and experience and, and it should change. And this, this is this adaptability, this flexibility. And even with starting functional fitness when I was 22 and I'm like, I'm fucking sick of the industry and why I break up with the industry, all this sort of stuff. And it was probably a little bit more aggressive and, Maybe for me, I thought it was edgy, or but it was quite black and white. Yeah. Whereas, and you have spent majority of your industry, your time in the industry, in a different area than I have, mm. and um, I completely see the validity of it and utility of it. But it comes back onto it, like you know, what's what are you getting out of that? Mm. Like that's and that's not me questioning. That's me offering the question. And it, I actually don't. You don't. The person listening doesn't need to have an answer that appeases mm. me. Like it's just going, are you questioning it? Because it's healthy to. Yeah. It's healthy to continually question. Yeah. Why am I doing what am I doing? And if there's something that's you know coming up, such as because people will take me serious when I look like X. Mm. If there's something like that, then what I'm going to point at is that that's going to be a conditional confidence thing. Mm. It's a conditional esteem. It means that if you get injured and you no longer look like X, then your mm. value, your self value, will change based upon that. And this is something that I spoke to at the retreat that we held last week. It's like, and this can be hard, and it's a big jump from this conversation from from my camera romance. But, <laughs> but, we can go back to it. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. But it's this like your value is inherent. There isn't any conditions. We over time are taught conditions that we put on our value. When a baby is born, 
we don't go, it's got a certain value within society. It's this, it didn't come through capitalism. It didn't come through the social structures of an education system. It came through something from earth. Mm. And, and so what that means is that then we as humans put a value on ourselves over time mm. and project that onto the little ones or mm. we were little ones at one point. And so our value is absolutely fucking inherent. There is nothing, right? It's you're not you're not the ring, you're not the 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 you, you're nothing like you're the gold mm. that makes up the thing. And so when we can really understand that and we start to you know look at our goals, it moves from um, you know when I achieve X, I will be worthy. Mm. Uh, it moves from that to. I am worthy. That's why I'm going after X. Yeah, yeah. And it's a significant shift. Yeah. So the yeah, like why is it like you know is your, is your one hour in the gym helping to po- positively impact your 23 hours mm. outside of it? Yeah, and I think I, I had a I had a significant moment a few years ago. So I'd been training probably now about 20 years, and I would say it honestly took me about 13, 14 years before I could look at myself in the mirror and actually be like, I'm happy. I, I don't care how I look. I'm content. And so that was a decade and a half of me constantly berating myself over trying to change the way that I looked. And now the way that I look is important to me still because I, I like the way that I look. I feel a certain way. But for me, it's more when I'm healthy, I feel strong. I feel like my body's working the right way and how I look is a byproduct of that. But when my look changes, my look has changed so much over the years. I'm 20 kilos lighter than what I've ever been. And I feel great, not because I've dropped the weight, but because... I'm not caring about looking in the mirror and what I yeah. see back. You yeah. know, I'm caring about I, because I've I've had a certain lifestyle pattern of exercising and eating a certain way. I I feel confident in my practices of what I do. When I don't train for a certain period of time, and then I feel a certain way. If I don't eat properly the way that I like to for a certain period of time, then I feel a certain way. Doesn't mean that it's bad or good. Yeah. It's about me picking up these cues, and this is what we learn over years and years of doing this. And going back to our original topic for here with the with the fitness philosophy, it's about building that. That, that fitness literacy, I think you used to call it health IQ, mm-hmm. um, where you get a certain feeling of when I do X, I feel Y. If I don't do X, I, I might not feel Y. Mm-hmm. Rather than when I look like X, then I will feel like Y. Mm-hmm. Um, to go into answering the question of, you know, why do you do this? I remember for me, it, it is all about that feeling I can get outside of the gym. So I always go back to this story. There was a time when I would have been, would have been 16, 17, and I was training for my first bodybuilding competition. And I was lifting out of my parents' garage, and I had all these just like weight plates and stuff in there. And in Canberra winter, it was freezing cold. And I used to train at like 3, 4 o'clock or so in the morning um, because I'd be working. Uh, actually, no, this was, this was later on. I was, I was a little bit older. I would have been 17, 18 when I was working at Flames. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be training in the garage before going out there. So from Targaronong to North Lynham, like half hour, 40-minute drive. Yeah. So I get my train done in the morning at like three and it was freezing cold in the winter. And so I used to go out there and I didn't think about it. I didn't think it was hardcore or anything. I just knew that if I put my hands on the barbell, they would freeze to the barbell. And I'm going, that that hurts. I don't like that. So my solution to that, I tried gloves. I couldn't hold it properly. Like my, I just, It just didn't feel right wearing gloves and trying to hold the barbell. So I'd boil a kettle. I boil, uh, I fill up a, a bowl full of boiling water from that kettle, take it out into the garage, dip my hands in this boiling water, and then go and lift the barbell up, right? Now, I look back on that, and I go, the fuck were you doing? But the lesson that it taught me there is outside of the gym, in life, it's 
it's something that I, I, I find is a really big value for myself now. It's always trying to find a way around something when there's something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to lift to, to win at that stage. For me, it was, I like training. I like exercising. Yes, I'm training for a competition. And I don't want anything to get in my way of being able to lift this weight that's on the ground. And for me, my grip on this like icy cold barbell was my limiting factor. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to find a way that's going to break past that limiting factor? There was another time when I had food poisoning and I'd go out into the gym and, and these days now, I'd never tell anyone to, to do this sort of stuff. But I'd, I'd lie down on the bench and I'd vomit and then I'd try to like do a dumbbell bench and I'd vomit again and I'd get up and I'd sprint up the hill and I'd vomit and I'd come back and I'd vomit. Mm-hmm. And looking at this, you know, it's, it's terrible. Don't ever do this, right? However, what that taught me again was when there's something that you love, just pursue it and, and see what you can do. And so these lessons that I've learned, it was about, okay, cool. I'm finding different levels of myself that I know I'm capable of. So now when I have a challenge, it might be a work challenge. Something happens as an employee that pisses me off or whatever happens. Instead of me getting aggravated about it, I can look at it and go, okay, what can I do to make this situation happen so I can still enjoy what I'm doing and still get the thing done that I want to do so I feel like I've had a sense of achievement for the day obviously not taking it to that extreme but because I learned that lesson in one way or another I can apply that to other areas which allows me to then go okay well if I'm feeling unsuccessful or if I'm feeling like I've wasted the day what have I done that I can go oh I actually feel like I have done a lot today and that's really cool this is interesting right there's two things I want to talk to um, but the first one is something that we got down here about mm. the importance of losing what I hear a lot is this almost this desire of sense of achievement. Mm. So what happens when you, when you don't have that sense of achievement at the end of the day? Well, for like for me or yeah, just yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, general? Yeah. For me, um, I don't feel like I need it. Okay. I yeah. don't feel like I need to have a sense of achievement each day. I used to. These days, I feel as though when I've had a sense of achievement, it creates more momentum for me to do more things. If I don't have that, usually it's because I've chosen to not have that. I go, you know what? Today's a day where I don't want to feel like I've really achieved stuff. Mm. I went from writing out lists of things every day to do to the point of where as it, a lot of people that I speak to have done where you write down to-do lists and you just end up with more to-dos on your to-do list and the next day you have a to-do list for the to-do list. Uh, I just started writing down things that I did. As simple as, you know, I woke up, I brushed my teeth. That's yep. a sense of achievement. You know, I did something. I got in the shower. I made my bed. You know, what, what, what's that guy? William William McRaven, I think, or William H. Raven, something like that. Make your bed, the book. It's yeah, awesome. It's behind me. You know? Um, so if I don't have that sense of achievement, I feel okay. I feel like it's something that isn't a common thing for me. I don't need to have a sense of achievement, but I know that part of my personality and one of our you know personality traits is that need for achievement. Uh, and for me to feel like I've, I'm working towards something, I'm fulfilling a purpose, that sense of achievement propels me forward and gives me a little bit more motivation to keep the momentum going. So if I don't have that sense, I'll either be okay with it because it's been my choice to not have that sense, or I can think of what the lowest hanging fruit is for the day. Mm. And I can get that sense of achievement from either winning a competition or doing the dishes, yeah. whichever one it is. If I get to the end of the day and I go, you haven't done this, what can you do? Okay, what's the, what's the, what's the easiest, ripest apple that I can pick from the tree? Yeah. It's going to be a low-hanging apple because I'm three foot two. Hmm. So being able to pick that apple... You look like a good climber though. Yeah, I could probably, I could probably jump up there. Like you know? I, I could dunk that apple. A bit of a koala. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. <laughs> <laughs> claws, man. You know? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. But also down. quite sleepy. Yeah, <laughs> very more, more like a possum, you know? Like that, <laughs> that, that possum sound. That's a possum sound. So the other thing you mentioned there is around lessons. Yeah. This is what's really interesting from my perspective, for me anyway, is lessons aren't inherent. Mm. They're they're full of individual meaning 
And so you look at the exact same scenarios that you went through mm. and somebody else learns a different lesson because oh, yeah. of the meaning that... So it's, it's going like, what's the meaning I'm getting from this? Mm. And one of the things, and I mentioned this to you last time we caught up, is one of the most profound um, observations I've had in working in the industry is people train the way they treat themselves mm. and people treat themselves the way that they were trained. And so when we become aware of that, it actually gives us the power to be able to start choosing how I'm going to use my training mm. to benefit my life outside of the gym mm. um, rather than just getting mus- skeletomuscular stronger or cardiovascular fitter. Mm. Like they're, they're components as well. But the when we understand that, the way that we choose to show up, mind, body, emotional, all of it, um, and choose to respond to whatever's going on mm. in the training facility... Um, is usually consistent through other areas of our life. And so the question is worth asking is like, okay, when things get hard, I find myself talking a lot more in my head and then looking for an exit, right? That's, yeah. That could be hard for people to admit to themselves. But if they do that, um, they go, where else in my life am I doing this? Yeah. And so that means that, okay, in a workout, what's my focus? Hmm. Well, my focus is that when that comes up, not to not do it. That's to not do it mm. means I have to do it in order to try and not do it. Mm. So it's when it does come up, so we can learn to let it not have its power over us anymore. I'm going to come back to my focus. So what's my focus? It's like to not do it. Okay, so um, t- if you weren't to do that, then what would you be focusing on? Uh, I guess um, moving or my breath. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So when it comes up and you then catch yourself going there, bring yourself back to your breath. Start breathing. Yeah. Something like something like yeah. that. And there's there's a bunch of different ways and. It's always useful for the person to bring up their own. But what that means is that that becomes a, a practice within training that when that person goes into a space where they would often experience higher levels of anxiousness and they catch themselves going into that self-talk space looking to be out of flight, so to speak, mm. run away or whatever it might be, that they can catch that and bring themselves back to their breath yeah. and calm themselves back down. And that's a small example. There's so fucking many of them, but that's the kind of thing we look at going... Mm your one hour in the gym has to help positively impact your 23 hours yeah. outside of it. It's not just going, you should be able to hike mountains more. Yes, absolutely. Mm. If that's what you want to do. If that's what makes you feel good. But you should yeah. also be able to negotiate contracts better for yourself. Yeah. Like, like you can you can use a gym for that sort of stuff. Yeah. And this is where it becomes multidimensional rather than simply, you know, um, weight loss. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's... That's the kind of thing we're looking mm. at. Lessons of meaning, I think, is really powerful because we get to choose it. We're the meaning maker. Yeah. We get to choose the meaning. We get to choose the lesson. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, we, and everyone's got a everyone's got a different lesson, like you said. And I think, for, for me at least, I, I couldn't I couldn't care less what someone else's lesson is. I'm not here to say that your lesson is right. I'm not here to say that mine is right. I'm not here to say that yours is wrong. It's that whatever you've got to do to learn that lesson for yourself, you'll if you can learn it, if you can confront it you'll know if it feels okay or not. You know, you'll know you have, you have that feeling within yourself, whether it's you're being congruent with, with that talk. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned before the podcast was, uh, and you said you were hesitant to use the word holistic, mm. um, which uh, I can agree with from my perspective as well. I try to avoid it because it has this... I'm not a pole dancing yoga coach. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> <laughs> like that's that, that's what I that's what I hear. Right? Yeah, it's you know it, it can it can be it can carry a certain um, stereotype, I yeah. guess, with it, and it, it's neither right nor wrong. Um, what I do like communicating with people that are on a similar page is holistic, W H O L I S T I C. 
instead of H O L E I S. Yeah, the reason. Without the E. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the the difference in there, and this is the same, like reading through Ken Wilber's works, mm. understanding the difference between holistic and holistic, and holistic is actually looking at not just um, uh, like the good for me, um, and uh, in in mind body maybe in my body emotion I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that soon but um, it's also going what's good for me and what's good for you and then also what's good for me and good for you and good for the development of the, the society around mm. us and not just that what's good for me and good for you and good for society around us and good throughout a period of time mm. and so we're starting to see something holistic as it unfolds within um, uh, a all-encompassing perspective it's multi once again multi-dimensional yeah. so that's a holistic approach because i'm like what's the functional health of this yeah. over time and so it becomes a holistic approach looking at an integrated approach so yeah. another term for it the exact same term uh exact same thing different name integrated and what it means is it's looking at multiple different perspectives and taking on all those perspectives to be able to go what is a win-win-win mm. um and so win for me, win for you, and then a win for the greater good over time. Mm. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm like, okay, I, I get that. That's something that I align with um, rather than the, you know, mind, body. And then the yeah, mind stuff yeah. isn't even the mind. It's simply just um, body stuff that silences the yeah. mind momentarily. Yeah. And so the, to speak to that again, there's a um, book, and I'm, I'm reading it now, but it's based on, once again, Ken Wilber's work, right? And it's called Integral Life Practice. And it can fall into almost, on face value, the similar sort of categories yeah. that we talked about with holistic rather yeah. than... Um, H- Pole dancing yoga yeah. coaches. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> PDYC. <laughs> uh, so nothing that there's anything wrong with either of those things, obviously. We don't have to frame that, but no. I will. Um, so the Integrated Life Practice looks at four main modules. Um, those four modules are mind, body, uh, spirit, and shadow. Now, the interesting thing is that when it talks about mind, it literally means the frames, the structures of mind, not the structures of the brain, mm. which is you know still the chemicals in the brain and brain waves and everything we can measure of the brain. Mm. That's not the mind. The brain and the mind are two different things. And so we spoke before about mental models and what we coach you with when it comes to mental models and understanding ourselves on, mm. a, on a, a frame of mind concept. So it, it has a lot of fitness programs or a lot of holistic H um, will have a, a mind-body component. Mm. Some will go mind-body, spirit, soul, whatever the case might be. But basically none have mind-body, spirit, shadow. That include the shadow, yeah. The shadow being in the repressed, repressed parts of our psyche that we kind of reject. And that actually can come up in many different ways. And it's really, mm. like, it's a really difficult space. And it's a lot of Jung's work yeah, from way Jungian back in the day. Philosophy. Yeah, even Freud. Freud had a lot of good stuff. He just, they just split. And the difficulty is that we go, ah, look at that motherfucker. He's just, he's out of this world. So mm. we just throw him away. And it's like, no, 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 don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. Because every single, like, every single thing that has happened through history has led us to this moment mm. so if we take out one thing you're throwing out everything that it played a role on right yeah. if you're going to shame a certain part of your development as an individual when you're younger then you have to actually take out parts of your psyche yeah. today yeah. that helped you get here so if you have a frame of belief that you go fuck this is not good mm. it's actually worth going where is this useful where was it useful because mm. at some point i i developed this type of thinking to benefit me in a certain way, mm. even if it was inverted commas toxic, mm. that was still trying to give you a core need at the end of yeah. the day. 
and it's like a kid in class. If you look at a kid in class, and you're like, that's a bad kid, so you try to ignore him, try to kick him out. He'll mm. play out more. But if you actually get to know him, I'm not him, it's us, right? If you get to know him and integrate him into the rest of the class, funnily enough, you understand him. He no longer yeah. plays up. He, he just is how he is and you can understand him rather than him having power. Mm. And so this is the kind of thing when we look at um, a philosophy, that's actually an integrated holistic approach is looking at mind, body, spirit, shadow mm. um, rather than simply a barbell and a, Excel spreadsheet for diet. Yeah. Um, and then if I get that result, then I'm good. Mm. So that's the kind of thing. They're, they're the layers of your onion that we yeah. spoke about before. But I, you mentioned holistic and I'm like, I want to talk to you about this because mm. that's what we look at as far as an integrated whole. And that is over time. It's yeah. not a fucking 28 day. Yeah. It's not that, right? It's, it is years. Mm. But here's the thing. The years are going to pass anyway. They, like they have just as yeah. they have. So it's it's worth... It's worth going down that path. Mm. I can promise you. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Let's um do you wanna go on to talking about the losing? I would love to. Yeah, I think that'd be wonderful. So do you wanna lead in? No, I'd love you to because you, you, you spoke about your experiences with a yeah. few different people and so one thing that I'm noticing a lot of at the moment is uh, in my space in the industry, and I say my space is in going from a competitive sports nutrition side to then going into this more side of it might be someone that's been competitive at some point in their life. People have grown, they've transitioned through life. I work with people now that have families, they've got kids, they've, they've gone to the gym for a period of time. They understand lots about training and nutrition or at least a, a minimal amount to be able to know that it's important for them and they like it. But they don't have that same mentality of wanting to, to do everything you know, 100% spot on all the time. They're not, they're not, they're not fresh newbies to it. Um, one thing that I found that got me into that space was there's a lot of people that they develop the mentality, which is quite, I'm going to use athlete mindset as a term yeah. of that. I'm training for a purpose and I want to win. Yeah. Now, whenever I've trained for anything competitively, I have the exact same mentality. I want to win. I'm not, I'm not training. If I'm training for a reason, I need to have some sort of motivation for that. If I'm training for something competitively, and I'm not training for second. I don't like it. I don't see the point in it. I'm not trained to just rock up and compete. Some yeah. people can, and again, this is what works for me. I'm not saying that it's it's the only way you need to be. I'm saying that it's my thing. Yep. So I train like I'm, I'm going to win and that's what I'll tell myself all the time. However, once I get to a competition, I'll be acting as I'm going to win in my head. I'm visualizing, I'm doing all that kind of stuff. If I don't win, I'm still sweet. I'm still like, you know what? Awesome. I remember my first competition. I trained and trained and trained and I knew in my head, I was so convinced that I'm winning this comp. And I get to the day, I didn't even place. I got smashed and... All it did for me was the next day I go, cool, that was an awesome experience. I didn't win, but I'm smashing it and I'm winning this comp next year. And every day I train like I was going to win the same comp the next year and then I won it. Mm -hmm. Now, did I achieve that because of the mindset? Who knows? But for me, yeah, it felt it really, really good, right? Yeah. However, there's this kind of developed expect expectation that when you tell yourself that you're going to win, you need to win all the time. And then you get to the event and you don't win, whether it's a competition or whether it's lifting a certain amount in the gym yeah. and you might not hit your PB or you might not beat the logbook that week or whatever. You might not lose the weight that you want to, that you want to lose. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people that start heavily beating themselves up about. Sure, yeah. Okay, and they go, oh my God, I'm a failure because I didn't drop a kilo this week. I didn't win this competition. What was the point? And they quit. And to me, it's there's so much value in losing. We can lose multiple times and every time we lose a good opportunity to, to to learn something if you win you don't learn anything mm. for me if i've won something and i've won a few things but 
nowhere near as much as what I've lost. Mm. But every time I win, it feels great. You know, it feels awesome, but it wouldn't feel as great as what it did if I didn't lose all the time. Mm-hmm. And often I wonder for people that do get very used to winning, and I've had clients like this before in, in many different sports that they're so good, they're genetically gifted, they're athletically gifted, they win heaps of stuff. The moment they don't win, they quit. They mm-hmm. think the world is against them. They think that they've done a horrible job. And I'm like, dude, it, you, you've got to learn these lessons. You can't walk in with the expectation of winning just because you've either done it before or because you've told yourself that you're going to win. You can, you can manifest as much as what you want, but manifest losing. I think that being able to be okay with losing is awesome because that way you learn these lessons. So I'm not sure where I want to go with that conversation, but have you experienced something pretty similar? Or do, do, you, uh, do you understand the, the disconnect between people that have this mentality of like, I want to win, I want to get somewhere, I want to achieve this result, but then something happens along the way and they just they lose that mentality and instead of using that to keep going, no matter what happens, they just stop. Mm. Yeah, I have two two stories to, to kick into it, right? One is actually my little nephew who just, mm. uh, he's like, must be 14, 13, 14. And he just competed for um, for ACT, the boxing titles mm. um, in Melbourne. Um, he's been boxing for 18 months. And uh, he's, uh, he's actually quite a, like mathematically inclined type mm. individual he's not uh angry he doesn't yeah. he doesn't sort of allow his emotions to be expressed like that um uh, so he, he's he's actually quite level-headed when it comes to boxing so he did really well and he lost his fight on the weekend he's only had a handful of fights mm. and he lost it on the weekend and um i was speaking to my sister um his mum, and uh you know he he took it he took it well, but he took it hard mm. and so forth. And this is something I literally said to her on, it must have been Thursday night. Uh, if you want to win, you have to be prepared to lose. What's more important is the hunger to win. A few early losses will fuel that more than a few early wins. Mm. And this comes down to an, you know another story. I was speaking to a really good friend of mine and he's played basketball and played at really good levels all throughout his career. And he's gone back to a Div 1 team to help kind of bring the young guys up. So he's gone in as the old head still playing and um, then the from his communication there's sort of the egos of the younger guys kind of got in the way and clashes and all sorts mm-hmm. right uh, <laughs> this guy is also uh, he doesn't really pull his punches either um, and I don't know if all of his punches are um, fair but at the same time there's a level of experience here yeah. that people don't have shut the fuck up and listen and take what you can uh, and as he's sort of like he's kind of t- explained it to me and he's like fuck he and he goes look they tell me they want to win. And I'm like, mate, winners don't say that. Mm. Winners don't say, I want to win. They don't do that. They go out there and they fucking compete. Mm. And so the question we want to ask ourselves is like, do I want to be a winner or do I want to be a competitor? Mm. And if you want to be a competitor, you'll do whatever the fuck you can. And you have to be prepared to lose. Mm. You have to be willing to lose in order to win. Yeah. If you're not willing to lose, then you're only there for like, for the gold medal and Mm. and what that means it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the hunger for the gold medal you should whatever that is in whatever scenario I'm all for it but you want to be a competitor you want to mean that the best of you is going to come out that day and the best thing if someone beats you you know they beat the best of you but if you won and you were shit and the whole like the rest of the crowd was shit do you feel better about that? like this is the thing you want to Mm. look at right? and so there's a story about Michael Jordan how uh, at the end of the game, when they came up with him with, with the stats, and he's like, I don't want to hear the points. I don't want to hear the rebounds. Mm. That's my job. What did I miss? Mm. 
And so this is the thing. It's like, do you want do you want to get better? Do you want to be a career competitor in whatever the fuck you do, mm. or do you just want to win? Do you just want the award because that's the thing that you're after, or do you want to find out what you're pot, like what you're capable of? Because mm. if you f- want to find out what you're capable of, that's going to take you twenty years, mm. and you gotta be prepared to lose because you're gonna lose because that's going to teach you way more than the winning will. Mm. Not not long term, right? That's not the point. I'm not saying, you know. Um, don't worry about winning. It's how you play the game. Sure, it's how you play the game. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. You play with integrity. Um, at the same time, you you better if you want to win, someone's got to lose. Yeah. So if you want to be a good winner, you got to be a fucking good loser. Yeah, yeah. So it's these things that come into play, and when we allow ourselves to be to shift to this career competitor, mm-hmm. it means that the accolades come far like far more. Um, like rewarding you feel them so much more yeah yeah because you 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 earned Mm. it rather than simply this expectation of like i'm going to be some sort of prodigy Mm. it's just like mate your skin and bones and your meat Mm. and your thoughts you do the work and you you pay honor and you stick around you'll Mm. you'll get what you deserve part of that's genetic part of it's mimetic Mm. um part of it's environment part of it's culture part of it's family part of it's mindset part of it's a whole range like the whole food nutrition mm. like all of it so I think what's more important and I, I put those there as well but it's it's shifting from this idea of like I'm a winner to like I am the most competitive person mm. here and I can I'm in control of that I'm not in control if I can win I'm not in control of how you train and I was training a, a CrossFit athlete and you know he he, he did really well he, he, his mind can get it he can start paying attention to what other people are doing rather than focus on what his focus was mm. that's, that's one of the challenges we've worked, we've worked through right but I was talking to him post one of his comps and he's like yeah look if I stayed longer here and did that then I would have won that I would have mm. won that um, workout and that would have put me in X and I was like mate if you get hindsight so does everyone else mm. So you don't you don't get to have hindsight by yourself. Yeah. Because if you're going to sit there and go hindsight and say how you would have changed it to win, everyone else gets hindsight. So guess what they're going to do? Mm. And everyone's winning in their own head if they did this extra thing differently. So what is it that you did well and what do you need to work on? Mm. Because I can tell you right now, if you're playing hindsight games, there's just not physical. Yeah. There might be some physical stuff we've got to go to, go to, go to work on, but I can tell you right now, it's where's your focus, mm. right? And also, be like I said, be a good fucking loser. Mm-hmm. Tip your hat. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And, and you know, originally when you said that, I was gonna, I was gonna challenge you on that that thought of being a competitor because competitor to me has always meant a step below a winner. And as you continued on there, you alluded to you know the fact that building that competitive mindset and being able to still lose and being the best version of yourself you can be. For me, um, I think I think that's great. Mm. And the the wording of that, I believe now I can change to. Being a great competitor is awesome. Don't be a participant. That's correct. And so that's that's something that I just picked up then from you. And I'm like, ah, hang on a second. Like, I don't want to be a competitor. I want to be a winner, right? Yeah. But I don't want to participate. So if you and yeah. I are competing in something, yeah, I want you to know that if you see me rocking up on the day, mm. you're fucking in for it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I'm going to bring my best, yeah. which yeah. is going to bring the best out of you. Yeah. Right? And so that's the kind of thing is that I don't want someone to weaken themselves mm. against me I want them to if they're going to crush me fucking crush it's me be competitive yeah. fucking crush me because uh, like let me because if I'm competitive guess what that means if I lose you're still cool but you're I'm giving your best I'm fucking back yeah. I'm coming back yeah right but if I'm identified as I'm a winner and I have uh, to win yeah 
and I lose, and then I might start pushing mm. all these people away in order to be able to get an accolade. Mm. But usually there is some sort of childhood issue there to some degree. I yeah. say issue, maybe it's not an issue for the person, but that I'm trying to get this tap on the head, this pat mm. on the head that I'm good because I was able to achieve mm. when in reality the the thing you're searching for is connection and you've actually pushed everyone else away. Yeah, yeah. So there's those sort of things we can go down in conversation, but mm. a competitor means, mate, like... I'll be like James Milner in Liverpool Football Club, right? The guy's 36. He played 40 games last year, not one injury. Yeah. Right? And like he's not the best player on the team, but he's one of the most important players on the team, right? And you look mm. at him, I think he won for like the eighth year in a row, like the lactate, uh, the lactic threshold test. Yeah. The guy's just a work, workhorse. And so the kind of thing here, that's a fucking competitor. Yeah. He's not winning Golden Boot. He's not winning most assists. Yeah. He can't do... That's not It's not him. But he can rock up on the pitch and you know you've got a game every single fucking day yeah. he's marking you. That's the kind of thing you look at. Mm. And it's like you get that with what you're capable of, how you think, how mm. you move, what you access with the training, what, how you play your cards. If you have that kind of competition frame of thinking, mm. then it doesn't matter who the fuck you're going up against. we got a game in our hands. Yeah. And so... Because you want to also be tested against the best. A competitor wants to verse the best. Mm. Because the best brings the best out in them. Mm. That's and that's over periods of time, yeah. not as a one-off. Yeah. What do you think about then the the difference between, or how would you phrase the difference between not winning versus losing? Um, the frame the difference between not winning versus losing. Mm. So, I mean, I would probably be contextual, and and I'd have to ask the actual how you know the difference between how I use it compared to how someone uses it mm. for me how I would use it um, I didn't win uh, I'd probably be playing around it's like oh you know I came second um, <laughs> so the, I've used that from winning before I've been like yeah yeah I won how many people there oh just me yeah like I won <laughs> yeah, right. I've also I, I lost oh right how, how big was it? just me yeah. <laughs> I've definitely lost so the the difference between not winning and losing it mm. it's individual mm. right so it comes down to semantics again yeah. now here's a couple of things that I could offer you and any listeners around it mm. um, what's your what's your long term game right because losing and winning like they mm. it's like Muhammad Ali did, wasn't like I'm gonna win he's like I am gonna be the greatest yeah I'm yeah. the greatest yeah it, it was to do with him being the best if he knew he could be the best he could ever be he'd yeah. be the greatest it wasn't like I'm going to win I'm going to beat everyone yeah, I'm going yeah. to do this it's like I, I'm going to it surpassed this individual boxing yeah. match it was iconic it was yeah. long term it was legacy and that's the kind of thing that I'm offering people yeah. so we go past this idea of am I going to win or lose mm. it's like I'm going to fucking blood sweat and tears in this moment mm. and whatever happens then I get to make meaning of that and move forward again mm. and so the difference between not winning and losing can be really just wordplay. Yeah. Or it could be the way that someone... So, for example, Michael Jordan, once again, mm. was quoted as saying, I never lost a game, I just ran out of time. Yeah. And so that frame of thinking, yeah. right? I never... And people go, oh, we're vicious. Like, oh, I just ran out of time. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck you, man. Like, give, give me something. He's like, eat a dick, dude. I ain't giving yeah. you shit. <laughs> I ain't giving you shit because we're going to play again yeah. and I'm going to bring my A game again and we're yeah. going to, you know, and go from there. Mm. And so that's the kind of thing where if you really want to be the best that you can be, mm. you want to be up against people like that. Yeah. And so the the difference between not winning and losing is can be semantics to mm. the individual. Mm. Um, so it's hard to say specifically, but for me it would be playing around. But other than that, it's going, 
what's my long game here? Mm. What's because it, it is mm. like to be a competitor means that you just shift from an athlete to business. Yeah, you can always be a competitor, but you can't always be an athlete at your peak. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's really cool. I um, as you're saying it, I was strongly around my answer to that question in my mm. own head, and I was thinking for for myself. I like to think of it as it's not that I didn't win, it's that the other person won. Mm. And so I will look at that and I'll go, that's awesome, they won. So what did they do that can be something that I can measure myself to then achieve against next time? Sure. Yeah. So how do I find how do I find something that I can work on? What's the thing that could have let me down that I'm working on, but I need to keep going at with it? And, and and where can I where can I apply that? I think that you know, they say comparison is a thief of joy, and I think that from a particular level, it can be healthy. At least again for me to see someone that's ahead of me, I love competing against people that are better than me. I'll always say if I'm throwing someone in a competition of something, throw yourself in the deep end. Don't throw yourself in in somewhere that is full of people at your level. Throw yourself in a position where you want to be, so you can be around people that you can aspire to be like. I mean, role models are extremely healthy, and it should be a, a gratifying experience to be around people like that that are in levels that you can see where you can get to, and then and then beyond there. You know, it's a whole black belt mentality of you get to that level of mastery, then you realize that the game only really just begins mm-hmm. and there's so much extra to go from there. But how many people actually get there? You know, it's very minimal. So for me, if, if I see that um, this other person won in the, in the competition that I was in, it allows me to maintain my level of competitiveness. Sure. You know, what, what, did, what, what did Arnold say? You know, it's not about... Um, the wolf that's on the top of the hill, the you know the wolf that's climbing the hill is always the hungriest. Now, of course, he turns around and be like, "Well, the wolf on the top of the hill, if he wants the food, then it's there, right?" However, it's not as hungry, and you know he's still got dethroned. So, yeah. I saw um so uh, talk about Michael Jordan. His um, what is the guy's name? Tim Grover. Tim mm-hmm. Grover's his trainer for years, um, and very very mindset type driven, mm-hmm. um, winning driven, um, which is good. We've also we're also humans that exist outside of competition, so mm. there's also that component of spirit outside of mind, mm. so to speak. Um, and he shared a couple of posts the other day on um, Instagram about some of the highest, you know, athletes at their peak at the moment, mm. and some of the quotes they said. And they'll actually I'll, I'll find it and share it. But one of them was, "It's harder to stay at the top than it is to get there." Yeah. And uh, the the power behind that is going. I'm going to get to the top. So mm. that's already like, that's already going to happen. Mm. Um, but once I'm there, I know how it's going to be harder. So I'm going to work harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kobe Bryant friends can come and go, but Ben is hang forever. Like that was a meaning. So that's a, that's mm. a frame, a belief that he had. Right. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, what's, what rings my favorite one. My favorite ring is the next one. Yeah. Like that's a competitor. Yeah. Like it's going, I'm a fucking a winner, one. but yeah. I'm I'm back I'm back next year, baby. Yeah. Which he also did, right? Yeah. Somebody yeah. Got, somebody Somehow. got his final ball, yeah. <laughs> his retirement ball and fucking worth all this much and he's like, I'm coming back and it's like Beryl Daniel yeah. value. He's <laughs> like, You're gonna owe me your next one, man. Um uh, Martina, she was a famous tennis player. Whoever said it's not whether you win or lose that counts, probably lost. <laughs> Tiger Woods winning, 100%. winning solves everything. Yeah. Well Yeah. Maybe Tiger. Um have a look at that one uh, and then Mia Hamm um, it is more difficult to stay on top than to get there mm. so these are the kind of things that you know and it probably feeds into one of our last part points in this podcast today but these are all really healthy aspects yeah. but taking to their extreme we've got to look at what is it costing us mm. and so um, so this is why it comes back to the original conversation of like what, what's actually important here 
Mm. What's important to me? Am I using the gym to get what I want to get out of life rather than simply letting it use me? And all these achievements, what would you, what would they give you that you don't already have? Mm. That's my question. Doesn't mean you shouldn't get after it. I'm just mm. curious. Mm. So you'd have to answer it for me, obviously. Oh, well, for me, it's about, oh, I, I, yeah, I know, you know, I know that I can always be better. And if I approach the gym, if I approach other, every other aspect of, of competition and competitiveness in my life, if I approach it with that level of, of competitiveness, then I know there's always a level that I can keep achieving. I think that our potential is, it's not limitless, but it's very rare that we actually find that limit of our potential. We can just keep going. Yeah. I believe that everyone does have that limit somewhere, but we just don't, we just, for the most part, don't get there. The interesting thing around potential is how we use, once again, semantics, how we use the word and what we mean by potential. Yeah. Yeah. And so the difficulty for a lot of people is they talk about potential as in it's something in the future. Mm. Your potential exists in this moment now. Mm. And what that means is <clears throat> as we work towards um, a, uh, a potential that we might have access to in the future, which is greater than what we have access to now, mm. but it's actually like when you get there, it'll be in the moment. Yeah. So your potential is always still, in the moment. Yeah. It's whatever you have access to, the, all of your being, mind, body, spirit, shadow, mm right here right now to be able to in that example mm. before compete with yeah. to be able to bring forward that is your potential so mm. people pursue it as if it's something in the future but it's always here because mm. even in the future when you get there it's there as well yeah. and so this is and people that are constantly future orientated um, and lean into that mm. habitually so to speak um, the difficulty is that the future is only reserved for those that can live in the present mm. Otherwise, when you get there, you're thinking of the future again. Mm. So you try to set up this future and then you didn't take in the moment because the moment's gone. So your yeah. potential is yes, of course. Like what, what are you capable of in the future mm. as you move through, understand yourself and work? But when you get, it's going to be in the moment. So what's your potential now? Because your potential now was what you were after at some point. Yeah, yeah 100%. I think that's awesome. It's mm. great. So my friend, that's uh, 50, 58 minutes. 58 we kept it under that 60 mark. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, unlike um, me in the school zones. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, hey, thank anyway. you very much. I, I thoroughly enjoyed catching up with you. Um, and uh, pulling apart those, I think, is um, some really profound things in there that we can use. I can mm. use. I can go away and use, right? Um, but yeah, so to finish up, um, where, once again, where can people find out more about Cole? So the best place to find me is on Instagram at the physique coach AU. And uh, slide into those DMs. Happy to engage in that conversation. Yeah, send a dink, Sw- man. Yeah, yeah, swipe right if you like, you know, whatever. Can you swipe on this? <laughs> yes. uh, of course, team, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, the We'll be doing a series of three um, podcasts. This is the first one. And then, look, if Kyle and I like each other, we'll figure out what we're going to do from there anyway. Mm. But um, if you enjoyed the episode, then please like, subscribe, share it with a friend. You can grab a copy of my book, Mining Yourself, anywhere online or in stores. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the programs that I offer, I've actually consolidated the inner game and the coaches circle into one called The Roundtable, which is a, a fortnightly um, group call that I run with everyone that I've worked with in the past. And so uh, if you're new to that, you get access to all these videos. You can join that. You can find out more at alphatheaterflow.com. But that's it from me. Big love. Peace and pizza. Carl. Thanks, Thank Dave. You. No worries. Thanks we'll for having me. We'll see you soon.